Mountain Community Pharmacy. We, we've got a great guest lined up today and um, very, very, very timely, timely pro, um, topic today. So I'm not going to waste time with the, a, a lot of my rambling on and I'm going to hand it straight off to my co-host, Ashley Branham. Ashley. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for being on the podcast this week. As Joe mentioned, we have a great topic lined up today and, and one that demands our attention as we're being called to action as community pharmacists to step up to the plate. As you know, community pharmacy has been on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic and, and we've been participating as essential workers to ensure patients are getting all the medications and, and um, care that they need when access has been limited over the last several months. And now the work continues for community pharmacy and CPESN pharmacy specifically, as we are charged with assisting in Operation Warp Speed. I hope many of you have heard about Operation Warp Speed, which is aiming to deliver um, over 300 million doses of safe, effective vaccines for COVID-19 by January 2021. Certainly, we as community pharmacies embedded in rural and urban um, communities across the country can help build a gap around um, needing patients to register for the trials. Um, that way, we can get vaccines on the marketplace um, much more quickly. And um, you have the trusted relationships with these patients. You have the opportunity um, to bridge the gap and make sure that patients are aware of the need for and participants in the clinical trials as well. Here to talk with us about, um, about the opportunity with Operation Warp Speed um, is our very esteemed guest today, Dr. Jim Kublin. Dr. Jim Kublin is um, um, the principal staff scientist with um, the COVID-19 Prevention Network based at Fred Hutch. And, and certainly um, CPSN is partnering with Fred Hutch in, in any way we can to make sure that vaccine is um, offered in the marketplace as soon as we can. So welcome, Dr. Kublin. Thank you for being our guest today. Well, thank you very much, Ashley and, and Joe, for inviting me on this um, this podcast. And I'm, I'm thrilled, actually, to be able to speak to, you know, the community out there that, that you're pulling together and, and community-based pharmacists in particular, given, you know, the, the intimate proximity you all have to, to so many communities around the country. Well, yeah, we know you. that we have um, quite a challenge ahead of us, right? So um, the, the latest number um, that I've heard is that we've got approximately 250 registrants on, on the website for clinical trials. Has that changed or is that the correct number um, that you're currently at? Well, that's, uh, that's where we were a few days ago. We're now over 300,000 um, people who have fully completed our volunteer screening registry. Um, and this is a, essentially a, a database that we're collecting of people who are willing to participate in upcoming uh, COVID-19 vaccine clinical trials, and is a really critical resource for the whole nation um, as we move into uh, really testing the, the efficacy of these vaccines uh, in the coming months. The, the first efficacy trial just started last week, and, um, and we're going to enroll as many as 30,000 people in each of five 
efficacy trials in the coming four to five months. So this is a, a huge and massive effort that really is unprecedented for the country, even even in the times of the March of Dimes and, and the polio vaccine efforts. You know, we, we didn't have to mobilize as quickly as we are right now. But uh, we, we think that we'll need millions of people in this registry to, to meet these targets of, of enrolling 30,000 people in each of these trials. And, um, you know, many of the people who, who register will not ultimately participate in, a, in one of the vaccine clinical trials. The, the trials themselves are selecting people based on age and um, potential risk of exposure to the virus and also potential risk of progressing to, to disease if they do become infected. So, you know, participating in the registry only takes about five minutes, but when that information is provided, we're able to analyze that and, and assess whether or not uh, any individual may be a good candidate for, for one of these vaccine trials. And um, and that's really what we're what we're asking people, you know, to assist us with at this point in time is to is to get them into the into the registry, and um, and then it would be up to the individual clinical sites that are located around the country, who are actually enrolling the people into the vaccine studies and and you know injecting the vaccine or placebo, to really measure the the efficacy of these vaccines as we move into the fall. Uh, so the registry is it, the reg, Excuse me for the registry is not for any one manufacturer. It's to get in the pool of folks that will then be shared with the the individual manufacturers doing the clinical trials. That's right, Joe. You know we we are uh, kind of agnostic. We're not we're not committed to any one developer. Operation Warp Speed has been supporting you know, more than a half dozen of these efforts. Um, and and that support has helped much of the early manufacturing uh, that's assisted in getting these vaccines tested into the early phase studies. Phase one and phase two clinical trials are really just testing the, the vaccine safety and the immune responses that these vaccines are, are inducing. And then when we get to Phase three, that's when we're really able to, to measure whether or not the vaccine is having the intended effect of, of preventing infection and or preventing the progression to more severe disease. And, um, you know, that's, that's really the target of what we're trying to accomplish here across, you know, a half dozen of these different platforms, different vaccines. They each may be working a little bit differently. And that's intent. That's intentional. We're we're trying to hedge our bets, so to speak, by you know by testing a number of these different types of vaccines. We wouldn't move into the phase three portion of these uh, vaccine trials until we are confident that certain milestones, certain thresholds of safety and immunogenicity are met. So, you know, we're we're confident that. The safety profile is sufficient um, before we move into these large efficacy trials, where again, up to 30,000 people for each of them will be enrolled. So this is a this is really a 
a monumental effort with a lot of a lot of entities coming together in partnership with with HHS and and CDC and a multitude of of uh, groups coming together to do this. What percent of if you if you sign up a thousand people, what percent of those will actually go into uh, into the registry? A thousand in the registry. What percent would would actually probably end up in a trial? Well, it may only be you know ten percent or so. Um, in certain populations, it could be considerably higher. Some of some of these efficacy trials have a minimum threshold of, for example, a target age over sixty-five. You know, we, we know that COVID disease is so devastating in the elderly. And and with each decade of, of age, we see a significant increase in the severity of disease. So we do want to make sure that it's working in that elderly population. So many of these clinical trials will have a minimum threshold, say you know, 25%, for example, and and not to exceed 40%. Of of uh, population over 65, and each of these you... clinical trials may be a little different. So so you know that will be adjusted as we move through um, these efficacy trials coming up. So as pharmacies are out there trying to help help sign folks up, is there uh, a certain population or a certain demographic that that you're having trouble getting that you would like the, them to concentrate on? Uh, that's a great question, Joe. I mean, you know, in addition to the elderly, we are seeing that the infection and the disease is disproportionately impacting minority populations, uh, specifically black, but also very significantly the Hispanic Latinx populations around the country. And, you know, this, this is a result of a whole bunch of different factors, some of which are socioeconomic, some of which are social behavioral population density in the, in the home, um, residential facilities. Of course, occupation has also been associated with, with some of the outbreaks. And so we've had extensive discussions with the meatpacking industry and the nursing home or assisted living facility groups around the country. And our approach is to you know, really just mobilize the nation in participating in this registry. And so again, we're expecting millions of people to participate in that. But then we may select based on some of these demographic factors and risk factors that you'll see we're collecting in the registry itself, you know, occupational details, um, some of the social and, and behavioral elements of, of what people are doing out there. And then these pre-existing medical conditions that are also very well known to be associated with more severe disease. So we do want to capture these populations who are who are vulnerable. Yesterday we launched our bilingual uh, website and survey um, in English and Spanish. So with a particular interest, of course, of of bringing in uh, the Spanish-speaking population in in many parts of the country who again seem to uh, currently be disproportionately impacted, very severely impacted by, by the epidemic. And so those, those you know, pharmacies and, and groups that can 
help us bring in any of these populations, all of these populations will will be of great assistance. And, and we have some recruitment materials, both in English and I'll, I'll be sending them out today, the Spanish versions it's just were finalized yesterday. Dr. Kiva, I, I want to emphasize um, one of the points you've made because I, I really want to paint a, a call to action to the community pharmacists that are listening. Um, you know, as you know, um, a lot of our pharmacies are equipped with in-home delivery services um, where staff is going right into the patient's homes, whether it's the pharmacists themselves doing home visits or um, extended staff making sure patients are getting their medicine. So we're going into the homes of, of a lot of patients that have access issues that um, may have, um, you know, a variety of other, um, you know, um, social determinants impacting their overall health care. And um, we, we're even seeing, um, you may have seen it across your desk already, the Wall Street um, Journal article that came out um, mentioning um, the, the COVID-19 vaccine trials having a problem with minority groups not trusting them. And so um, as a call to action, um, what, what can we do um, for, from a community pharmacy standpoint to convey um, the need for, you know, all, all people to sign up for this, um, for the website and to um, be a part of this, what, what you said is this kind of unprecedented effort to, um, to sign up and enroll. Well, thanks, Ashley. This, is, this seems to be one of the major challenges that, that are uh, that really is ahead of us. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a physician as well, and I, I spent almost a decade working in the front line and as an emergency medicine doctor. Um, and through that work and, you know, of course, interacted uh, work with a lot of local pharmacists, and that work was in, in part in, in Native communities here in the lower 48 and as well as Alaskan natives, I spent some time up there, and um, you know, with with so much of this uh, social uh, community engagement, really that 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 these independent pharmacists have, I think they're in a very unique position to to have the discussion about um, how meaningful it is to participate in this kind of uh, in this kind of research. Uh, we, we do have some campaigns coming up in the, in the next few weeks regarding the heroic effort that's required to, to mobilize communities to participate in these studies. And I think that's, that's a, you know, a critical piece of our effort is to get that into the media and in, into the, into the communities that way. But oftentimes it's just, you know, one on one people, people discussing it. Uh, clearly, you know, there's a lot of hesitancy and suspicion within certain populations and, and demographics, and that's unfortunate. Some of it is based on historical factors in which there were real mistakes made, um, and and some of it is is a, is a legacy of of misinformation as it's been distributed and communicated, you know, more recently in the modern era era with with all of the the web-based misinformation. Um, I think, you know, the assessment of, of these vaccines uh, and then their safety in particular in these early phase studies has been the priority for us over the past four, five months. Um, 
now we are moving past that. You know, we're not, as I mentioned earlier, not moving into any phase three trials with any products at any doses that are raising significant safety concerns. Um, so we're very excited about that. Um, but you know, these are these are complex issues and require some real discussions um, about why some people may be hesitant to participate. Um, and what what some of that hesitancy may be based on some factual and grounded understanding of um, of the historical past. I think where we are today and the rigor that we apply to these clinical trials, the ethical review that, that they are under, uh, and the scrutiny that we apply to to these studies, I, I'm really proud to be associated with it. And um, and hopefully, you know, some of some of the community that you're reaching out to will be as well. Uh, yeah, I hope that I, answers I, your question. I will, you know, welcome, does. welcome. I think that, that, I think that that guides us with speaking points to, you know, the confidence behind um, talking with with our patients and and the ones that we have really close relationships, which I know you value that as well within your profession. Um, you know, why, what, what the overall purpose is and why we need them. I, I think that helps guide us. And so um, I hope all the listeners were, were taking notes and can rewind and, and, and write those speaking points down as you're meeting one-on-one -on -one with your patients, because that's, um, that's going to be a key is, is really um, that one-on-one -on -one discussion, like you mentioned. And I think it is, you know, it, it is, uh, well, you know, I've been working in malaria vaccines and tuberculosis vaccines and HIV vaccines over the past 30 years. And, um, you know, we, in all of those efforts, regard our study participants as participants in this research. They're not subjects, they're not, you know, patients excluded. They are real participants with us in this whole endeavor. And um, and they are really, you know, the, ultimately the heroes of any successful uh, vaccine that's developed. Um, it can't be done without them. And as much as the science is, is noteworthy and the progress that we've made in that arena over the past century is, is really exciting, I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, it is the individual who participates in these studies, who in my mind is a real hero in accomplishing these significant public health advances. And it will advance, you know, the tremendously the public health in, in our nation. And these efforts will benefit the world eventually. I, I think, you know, these efforts will become international. I think the projection for the manufacturing is is going to be enough for the US population. And of course, then it's our obligation to make sure that um, we can we can help the rest of the world as well. Yeah, you, you used the you used the word hero, and and I really like that. And so now now on to to maybe the tough questions. Um, how do we how do we how would you advise pharmacists out there talking to? Uh, their patient population and their customer base and and their friends and neighbors and relatives um, to answer the question, you know, well, is it safe? 
you know that that's the 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 folks that I've talked to about it since uh since we've started kind of pushing this you know that is always the first first thing out of their mouth well how do I know it's safe or is it safe sure um well it is a tough question and it, it's the you know it's at the forefront of what we're trying to understand as we move into these larger efficacy trials and you know, we, we make it through early phase clinical trials with a level of confidence that a particular dose that's been selected of a particular vaccine is, uh, it, you know, is, is safe. But that's only in a few hundred people. We acknowledge that. So rare events, you know, rare adverse experiences, we're not going to detect most likely in those relatively smaller studies. And that's when we get into these larger studies in which we enroll 30,000, half of whom will receive the vaccine. So we've got additional data on 15,000 people. And um, when we're into those numbers, we're really able to assess whether or not there are likely to be any, uh, any vaccine-related adverse events that are of, of significance. Now, you know, the vaccines, are intended to sort of stimulate your immune system. And sometimes that can be associated with some, some mild aches and pains, some redness at the injection site, uh, maybe even feel like you've, you've got a, a mild flu for a, a few hours. Um, these are expected. These, these are uh, known to be associated with different vaccines that have been licensed, that have been proven to, to really benefit the public health. And if you ask me if I would accept some of these mild symptoms for a day or two uh, to be able to get on a plane and fly to see my parents, um, I'd, 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 I'd tolerate that for, for weeks, honestly, you know, to have the ability to to be confident that, that I'm protected. Now, I think that um, you know these these mild um, symptoms that that many vaccines uh, may induce in people. Uh, you know these these are again associated with that immune response that we're hoping will be protective. And um, and it's only after these efficacy trials are conducted after these heroes do participate in them, um, are we able to say with a high level of confidence, you know, this vaccine, it looks like it's protecting, you know, at a 70% efficacy. And then this vaccine may even be better at 80 or 90%. Um, and that's where we're hoping it will be uh, by the end of the year or, or the first quarter of 21, when we've completed these efficacy trials. And at that point, of course, would be shifting into more of a national vaccination and deployment effort. But we can't get there um, without going through these critical steps of evaluating safety and efficacy of the vaccines. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're applying the highest level of rigor and, and, and ethics to how best to do that. As we as we move forward, I hope that answers your your question, Joe. Yes, absolutely, it, it, it does, and I think that that puts a great 
a great framework around uh, uh, around the whole conversation. So for the listeners who are on the line today, um, if you want to yourself uh, enroll in this um, voluntary effort or you would like to um, guide other patients that you're working with, they can go to www.coronaviruspreventionnetwork.org and register. As I understand, the registration is very fast. So um, you, you often think clinical study, lots of paperwork. This registration is three minutes or less. So, um, so take a moment to register. And um, certainly there's signage available, both flyers and posters um, that you can put throughout the pharmacy or within um, um, the, the bags of, of customers that are coming through. Um, the pharmacy. Um, we will link all of that into the show notes today, and so you'll have quick access to it. Yep. You can also go to our CPS Insight COVID Best Practices with an S on the end, COVIDBestPractices.com. Um, there's great link uh, in there under the the Pharmacy Focus Strategies tab. You'll you'll find registering for COVID nineteen vaccine trials, and, and there's really good information in there as well as as these flyers and posters that you can download and and um, put up in your pharmacy and some best practices tips from from uh, some luminaries across the country that are doing this and are trying to to enroll folks. So uh, don't forget to check out our our website, covidbestpractices.com. I think also one of the ways that we are tracking um, the community pharmacy um, effort and, and how we're partnering with Fred, uh, Fred Hutch is um, using the site code. So after you complete your registration, there is a site code where you will add RX RX, and that will help us track um, the community pharmacy participation in, in this effort. That's right, Ashley, and and you know we're we're thrilled that you know we may be able to uh, capture that information and and provide. We'll, we'd be happy to provide that back to you as far as the numbers of uh, people who are willing to participate because of the outreach that uh, CPESN has has provided. Um, we also did yesterday or, or earlier this week um, procured a, a shorter. URL name is covpn.org, uh, covpn.org. That that directs you to this website that you mentioned. You know the the coronavirus prevention network, and on that website is is also a lot of information about what it what it entails to participate in any number of these types of clinical trials: phase one, phase two, phase three efficacy trials. What that means what some of the commitments and obligations of that really will be. And um, and then also, of course, the direct link to the, the volunteer now button where you can enter into the registry. Fantastic. Um, you've given us a, a ton of great information. I'm, I'm gonna ask you another question that you probably hate to, to, to answer, but uh, we get asked a lot. If everything goes perfect with the trials, uh, when should we expect a vaccine to be available for Americans? Well, thanks for the question. You know, I, I think I'm thrilled to answer it, honestly. I mean, 
I think we can we can reasonably say that by the first quarter of 21, um, we will uh, have the answer to a number of these vaccines as to whether or not they're really making a difference in preventing COVID disease and in preventing infection. And we'll be able to use that information then to inform the CDC and the governing bodies who approve these uh, candidate vaccines for approval, licensure, and, and distribution straight away across the country. And I think that's where you know, your constituents, your community-based pharmacies will also play a very significant role in making sure that these vaccines get to the communities and to the people themselves. Of course, that will entail a massive mobilization across the country, but one that, really, that we're really excited uh, uh, about in, in getting to that milestone. So, so it is a few months more away. Um, it's not going to be next month or, or the month after. Uh, these, these studies do take generally about four to six months to, to get these critical answers back. And, and so that puts us toward the end of the year and in, in the in January 21. Well, doctor, I, I, I know that you, I know how busy the community pharmacists are. So, so I know, I know you're also crazy busy right now with just everything going on and, and everything that, that y'all are trying to accomplish. So first of all, I want to thank you uh, on behalf of myself and community pharmacy for the, the work that you're doing. And I wish we had a lot more time to, to go because this has been very interesting. I, I hope we can reserve the right to, as these trials get rolling, to, to tap back into you and, and get updates and get how, how community pharmacy out there in all these neighborhoods um, with all these connections with their patients and the communities they serve, how we can continue to help. You, you've really, uh, you know, I, I think we've heard today a real call to action. So pharmacists out there, it's, it's time to buckle your seatbelt and hang on for Operation Warp Speed. Uh, I, I love what you said about, and I kept thinking the whole time about the, the old poster, you know, Uncle Sam wants you. Um, and, and this really is uh where Uncle Sam needs community pharmacy out there to, to find these heroes across America that, that are willing to enroll in these trials. So, uh, again, thank you for your time um, and uh, thank you for the effort that you're doing to try to protect everybody. Well, thank you, Joe and, and Ashley both. I think you, you've said it incredibly well yourself about the importance and priority of this. And I'd be happy and thrilled to come back and give you an update later in the fall. Uh, I think we'll have made a lot of progress and we'll have more of our sights on, on the light at the end of this tunnel and, and get there. The CPESN podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Production assistance is given by Mike Denninger and Suzanne Feeney. For more information, visit us online at cpesn.com and tptransformations.com. <laughs>